Listen up, MuggleCast listeners. Summer is here, and what better time than now to say big at GoDaddy.com. Get your own shared hosting account with 150 gigs of storage, 1,500 gigs of bandwidth, and 500 email accounts for $6.64 per month when you sign up for one year. Plus, by entering code POTTER, that's P-O-T-T-E-R, you will receive an additional 20% off of any one, two, or three-year shared hosting plan. Some restrictions apply. Check out the site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast. Hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Here, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because some people feel the need to call me on my only night off, this is MuggleCast, episode 148, for June 8, 2008. So, there are only six more chapters left in our wonderful, enlightening chapter-by-chapter series, and uh, many people are wondering what what we are going to do after these chapters are finished, because we've always, we've been saying for the past couple months that once we finish chapter-by-chapter, that's when we're going to slow down the show. Mm -hmm. We're quitting. No, we're not quitting, and that's the big misconception. We're actually, we're far from quitting. We're just going to be... um, slowing down how, how how frequent the episodes are released. So I thought it'd be nice if we could just discuss, you know, what what we could do in the opening because we got nothing else to talk about. Um, should we... Do you guys think we should do every other week? Do you think there would be enough content? Laura, as a longtime host, do you think this would be a wise choice? Ooh, you know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of fans would be really happy about that, but I'm not sure we could depend on there being that systematic release of, like, news and other information every two weeks. I feel like sometimes it would work and sometimes we would come up short. So I almost feel like an approach sort of along the lines of putting out a show when there's something to put out a show about might be a little more practical, but that's just Yeah, me. that's what I thought, too. I mean, the whole fact that we are kind of slowing down is basically because we want to be able to release a show when we have enough content to make an actual good show for, for the listeners. So both of you have the view of the glass is half empty. <laughs> no. um, I'm going to well. have to go. I'm going to flip it over and say the glass is half full. Andrew. Uh, there we go. There I think that I think my glass is half full, but it's made of ice. So whether you tip it over or not, it's still the same, and it's not going to devour itself. <laughs> that was, so Matt, I was Matt, so Matt, I almost Matt, had it. Matt, I have to say, I have to say this, Matt. If your glass is half full and it's filled with ice, and, and there's anything in there besides ice, that means it's actually less than halfway. So you well, really are doubting. You're doubting Well, You're water's da- heavy. You know what, well, Matt, Matt, liquid's you know heavier than ice, though, so... Anyway, I guess we'll have to leave it up to the listeners, maybe create a poll or something to figure out what we're do- what we're going to do. But for now, we have a full show and a full weekly show. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Matthew Britton. And I'm Mikey B.
Micah Tannenbaum is absent this week, so um, we're going to have to handle the news without without the big guy. What, what's he doing this week? I mean, it is a Friday night, I so... Think, I think we should do a spy on Micah. Spy on Micah? <laughs> yeah, we should call him. All right, should, should. should we call Micah real quick just to see if he'll answer? Yes, Maybe. we should yeah, call Micah. And be should. Like, yeah, let's call Micah. We'll uh, hear he, some heavy... You know he's thinking about us right we'll now. We'll hear some like heavy thumping club music in the background. Techno beats. Yeah, techno beats. He'll be all out of breath, sweating heavily from all the dancing on the dance floor. Yeah, and while we call him, it's going to be like, Somebody scream! Yeah. We're going to hear someone in the background yell, Micah, come on, you're missing out on the party! Woo! All right, I'm calling him... You guys won't be able to talk to him, but I could just picture the scene now. He's on the dance floor. <laughs> Can hardly feel the, the phone vibrating in his Everyone. pocket. Hello? Yo, Micah, what's up? Hello? Yo, yeah, it's Andrew. What's up? What's going on? Uh, man, I, the, the MuggleCast News Studio, I can't do it without you. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what's going on? What are you doing? I am from Alex on the uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Upper with college friends. C- college friends. Okay. Could could you run back home? We really need you to do MuggleCast. Uh, no. Sorry, I don't think I can do that. That's not. After what I don't appreciate that kind of attitude. I don't think you, you, you should be. You know. He's fired. Yeah, he's done. We'll, we'll cover your work. Your cab. I mean, we have some extra pickleback money left over. Alright, so that's a yes? Yeah. <laughs> he hung up on you. <laughs> he hung up on me. Oh, Alright, well there you go. That's how we play is Spy it, on Tannenbaum. Is Tana it me or did Micah sound kind of like, like he was trying to act cool in front of his friends kind of talk? Like, he, he was dude? trying to act kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm out with my friends from college, you know. <laughs> Alright, so let's get to the news without Micah. Uh, big news this week. There was some big news. J.K. Rowling spoke at the Harvard commencement ceremony. She had a wonderful speech that lasted about 20 minutes. It was streamed live online, so all the Harry Potter cans, Harry Potter fans and cans, I guess, could watch as well. Um, I would like to quote the end of her speech. She, she said, So today, I can wish you nothing better than similar friendships. She spoke a lot about her friends. And tomorrow, I hope that even if you remember not a single word of mine, you remember those of Seneca, another of those old Romans I met when I fled down the classics corridor and retreat from career ladders in search of an ancient wisdom. As is a tale, so is life. Not how long it is, but how good it is, is what matters. I wish you all very good lives. And J.K. Rowling got a very big standing ovation, at least five minutes big standing O. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. What did you guys think of this? I mean, this was really cool of her to come to a a U.S. college uh, commencement ceremony. Yeah. I wish, I I was going to say, I wish you spoke at mine. All I had was some (laughs) astronaut. Some astronaut. <laughs> yeah. Some astronaut. I was like, man, it would be so cool to have J.K. Rowling there. Well, it was funny because Joe was – well, Harvard was under a lot of scrutiny. Um, people were saying, well, J.K. Rowling, that's – that's why why an author? Why a children's book author? And Harvard was saying, well, it doesn't have to be someone in politics, you know, to, to reflect a very powerful person in this world. And I thought it was kind of mean of some of the skeptics who – didn't think Joe was a good choice. Well, but, I mean, a, I don't think a lot of the Harvard graduates are like novelists and and such. I mean, I don't think that's the majority of people who well, study. Well, hey, at Mikey, how many people from your school became astronauts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, quite a few. But this astro, she, this, yeah, this astronaut person, uh, 
just graduated like 10 years ago and she just went into space and just got back. Oh, yeah. uh, she did some cool yeah. stuff, but it was. <laughs> I just like, got back from the moon. She just got back from like that space station. It was really hot and long and kind of boring. I was uh, text messaging people on my phone <laughs> through the whole thing. Nice. I thought it was really cute of J.K. Rowling when she said um, in, in the beginning of her interview that um, thank you for inviting me to the possibly the largest Gryffindor gathering <laughs> yeah. ever or something she, like that. She said like, if she squinted her eyes at the red banner, she would feel like it's the largest Gryffindor <laughs> like, uh, gathering, which is so funny. She threw a couple of Potter jokes in the beginning, too. And yeah. everyone got it. Everyone seemed to get it. She made a gay Dumbledore joke. It was, yeah, that was interesting. Great. I love the way the, how Joe was dressed, too. She, 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 I mean, she, she looked like an actual novelist. You know, you know the... The you know what everyone portrays a novelist to be with her hair kind of pulled in the in the back. She she had she more of a, a mousy uh, appearance than than you see her with her with her hair all dolled up and stuff. She just seemed more you know approachable and more um, modest looking. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a nice ceremony. Um, and another J.K. Rowling news. Uh, she actually filed another lawsuit, this time against StarMap. Um, there, there, there's actually some of these in uh, Hollywood. Uh, Star Maps are it's just like a giant map of the area, and it will show you where the private homes of stars are. And J.K. Rowling was on the London Star Map, and she's suing them. She said the sole aim of London Star Map is self-evidently to incite, encourage, and enable members of the public to track down and locate the exact location of private re- residences of various recognizable celebrities, so that they can visit those residences. I'm a very private individual who regards my family's privacy and safety as having paramount importance. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see them too. I wonder how many stars have actually filed a lawsuit against uh, London Star Map. Well, J.K. Rowling has in the past, you know, ha- had this huge privacy issue addressed too. This isn't the first time we ever heard about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This one seems to really, um, this is kind of a big one. It's funny because right on London Star Map's homepage, LondonStarMap.com, it says like a real life Harry Potter Marauders map. That was said by the Lon- London's Evening Standard. Ooh, and they kind of, and they actually have like a little have a picture Marauders map fold out too. Yeah, and they have a, they have a picture of Joe there. But um, yeah, so they're uh, getting sued, understandably, by Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, in movie news, no Trelawney in Half Blood Prince. It was confirmed by Emma Thompson's representatives or her agent that she will not be in Half Blood Prince, which um. I guess it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. We didn't really see her much in order either. Well, Go ahead, I wonder how they're going to have Harry find out that Snape was actually the one who um, overheard the prophecy. Yeah. And I doubt they'll even have that. They may just cut that entire part out. Yeah. yeah I kind of agree with Matt. Me. That might just be out of it. Trelawney doesn't have like a pivotal role in this book. No. Um, you really only see her only a couple times, like when she and when she and Harry are walking towards the corridor, and she tells Harry about, you know, Snape just overhearing her conversation, being so rude. But, yeah, she doesn't really have a very pivotal, pivotal part in this book. Um, in other new movie news, Radcliffe and Griffiths are going to present at the 2008 Tonys. That's kind of cool. Cool. That yeah. is pretty cool. It's um it's uh, well I I think it's it's just to promote their uh upcoming Equus on Broadway. Well, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That's what uh, well, it's for. Well, I mean it wasn't really sad. It was just, you know, they didn't cuz it's already implied. I guess it's implied, but um 
It's going to be June 15th and starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's actually also going to be streamed live online, so anyone can uh, watch that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen the Tony Awards. I never really had an interest. You know, this year they're doing um, – there's going to be a live uh, performance of a song from The Lion King. Really? Ooh, I've seen yeah. that. I've actually yeah. seen that. It's really good. Yeah, me too. Along with a couple of other little performances. So that's definitely something to look forward to for all you theater goers. Um, and lastly this week, most interesting story, and I'm, I'm loving posting news about it on MuggleNet. Uh, new rumors have started about a Harry Potter MMORPG. Mikey, what does that mean? What does that stand for? Oh, geez. I know. I actually took a video game class, and uh, it's massively multiplayer role-playing game. Yeah, it's like or, the biggest No, no, wait. Acronym. I'm sorry. I missed No, that's right. Massively multiplayer, oh. uh, multiplayer online role-playing role game. Play. That's where the O right. comes in. Right. Yeah. So um and Warner Brother what happened was Pottersphere, a another uh, Harry Potter fan site, inquired with Warner Brothers about creating a massively multiplayer online role playing game centered around Harry Potter. And the movies Warner Brothers, the vice president of marketing for Warner Brothers, came back with the statement the notion of creating a Harry Potter MMORPG is something that we've been discussing at Warner Brothers. At this current stage we are investigating the possibility of creating our own. So basically, it's like the Harry Potter version of The Sims. <laughs> or, sort of. Or World of Warcraft or, or Starcraft. Or World of Warcraft, of course. Second Life. I mean, uh, the two biggest ones out there right now, I think, are WoW, World of Warcraft, and Second Life. Yeah. Mikey, have you ever played an MMORPG? Um, yeah, I have. I'm not really a huge fan of them. It's not my cup of tea, but I have played them. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I grew up, you know on the computer and I played a lot of the old, old, old ones, um, like text-based ones where you, you know, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And, uh, I'm a complete geek. We all know this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I've admitted on the show, I think that I used to be extremely into the Sims online. I think a Harry Potter MMORPG could have a lot of potential. Yes. And no, I'm kind of worried how they would do it though. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it would raise a lot of questions. I mean, it's definitely uh, something that would have to be thought out and done right. I'm sure they don't want another flop. You know, but it's it's maybe a little more difficult too because it's actually they're basing it on an already established world that they're basing it on. Like in World of Warcraft, you can create other lands too, in case you know there's more people that play it. But there's only certain you know places yeah, you can go yeah, in the Harry Potter which are world. Yeah, servers, and basically. I wonder like just how they would do characters and stuff like could you have your own character or would you have to be like one of the main ones you know like yeah like would do you have to be I could a see, student or well, a goblin or a I could a house see elf? like you creating your own wizard or witch and then like I don't yeah like I would imagine a lot of people would want to play as Harry Potter so well you know well actually here like Star Wars actually has an MMORPG Mm -hmm. what I can't even do is say it fast. That's right. (laughs) Um, But Star Wars has one. It's Empire at War. And you actually have a lot of options because, like, everyone wants to be a Jedi. Obviously, like, if you're going to be on, like, Star Wars, you want to be a Jedi. Just like if you're going to do, like, a Harry Potter one, someone wants to be, like, Harry Potter. And what happens is to become that, like, super character that you want to be, it takes a lot of time and a lot of skill to get up to it. Oh, okay. Uh, Like, a lot, like, a ridiculous amount of time to where, you know, as much as I love Star Wars, I gave up on it after probably, like, six months of straight playing. Mm -hmm. Well, well, they could probably do that by, you can just all be a wizard, and then they'll just scale you up by, like, a first year, (laughs) second year um, of a Hogwarts student. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, you know, and again, I think... The 
you know, one of the reasons that, you know, World of Warcraft does really well is it's easy to power up, but there's so many levels and stuff like that to where to become really good, you have to spend some time to have skill. And I think uh, they have to make sure if they do do this to have it, you know, do anything, they'd really have to spend the time to actually have a good company develop it and spend the time making it. And, now the interesting and not aim well, it at you know little kids because yeah when the minute they do that they're going to lose all skill level and it's going to yeah, become younger kids really don't play game. these now I, I haven't what sorry now I haven't posted this on MuggleNet yet but a very interesting article came out of a uh, nextgen.biz an online entertainment company that has developed a Lord of the Rings online game called Turbine um, received a forty million dollar investment from Time Warner. What does Time Warner own? Warner Brothers. So um, you didn't give us a chance to answer. The, the, <laughs> the, it's very interesting because Warner Brothers invested forty million dollars into this company that's already created an online game based off a book. So I have an email into Turbine right now asking them: um, Is there Harry Potter development going on? Because I know they would be less quiet than Warner Brothers because you know how Warner Brothers likes to be hush-hush hush-hush over everything. But um, if you're going to put your money behind a company developing the game, I would put my money behind Turbine. Um, I mean, I, I'm no betting man in this situation, but it you're seems always like... You're all, man, yeah. But, yeah. I'm not betting until I get an email <laughs> back from them. Oh. Confirming <laughs> your own I'm not betting until I know I'm going to win. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's a very interesting story. We'll see what comes out of it. You know, it it definitely seems like MuggleNet has an online uh, Harry Potter game. What it's uh, MuggleNet Interactive? I don't know if you guys ever played this. I have not. MNI Interactive.MuggleNet.com. Um, doesn't it's work. Pretty... It doesn't work on Max. It doesn't. No, I tried it hmm. once and I gave up because it didn't work hmm. at the time. No, weird. Well, I think I think it may work now. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, moving on from news. Let's go on to some announcements for this week. Yay! Let's talk a little more about announcements. Port- Sorry. Yay. Yay! I work on a kids show. Of course, I'm like, like every time you go to a different segment, you I'll be said, like, Yay! But you've been saying stuff like that before you worked on a kids show, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Laura, where are we going to be this, this, this summer? Where is the biggest place we're going to be? Dallas, California. Texas. <laughs> well, and California. Ooh. But uh, we're going to be at Portis 2008 in Texas, and I think we've already promoted this a couple times on the show. But definitely, if you guys want to come out and see a live show, if you've never been or if you've been before, you should register. These conventions are so much fun. You will love it. At Portis, um, Jim Dale is going to be there. And um, I know we've been getting a lot of questions asking what kind of package you should get. The podcast Palooza is on Saturday, so you could get an all-day Saturday pass, or you can get uh, a pass for all of Portis, which we recommend a lot more because you get access to a lot, uh, many more cool things. Um, there's the ball. There's a ton of things you can sign up for. Soon we will have Aziza on the show, who helped us interview Jim Dale. We'll be having her on to uh, answer your questions about Portis. One thing uh, we should point out is that our podcast is going to be at midnight. It's going to be the final podcast going on at Podcast. Podcast Portapalooza. Podcast Palooza. I love the name. for last, baby. Yeah, we're gonna be. It's gonna be starting at midnight. Thankfully, that we'll be able to sell our t-shirts throughout the entire Palooza. Our brand new Portis t-shirts. Yeah, whenever they come. I don't want to say anything about them yet. I mean, other than what I said last week. But um, 
it will be going on at midnight, so I don't want anyone to be caught off guard. Like, if they're bringing their parents with them, and then the parents are going to be like, oh, man, we came all the way out here for something that starts at midnight. So just so you guys know. Uh, but we did our uh, Leaky Mugget Prophecy at midnight, and that was a great success. That was so, that was that was so fun. much fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We won't pretend that, to be asleep seem- this time, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll be alive. Should we do like a MuggleCast meetup before the show too? Yes. We're also, um, to make it more worth your uh, money coming out here, uh, I think we should also do some sort of MuggleCast meetup somewhere in the hotel during one of the days. So we have time to hang out with everyone besides the Palooza. Yeah. And maybe have some games and maybe like a pin the tail on the donkey pinata. And, and Laura's going to cook cake and brownies and all these home mm. goods. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, well, Laura, you're cooking for us. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I if I need to suffer you guys my cooking. It's actually quite terrible. But uh, you know. oh, okay. Yeah. I'll we'll cook. Get else I'm a us. really good cook. I'll make <laughs> okay. stuff. Um, in other announcements, uh, thank you to everyone who's been voting for us on Podcast Alley. I think we're uh, we're number one right now. I'm sure. Yeah. Except not. Oh, no, we're, we're number, number four, four. actually. <laughs> Keith so, uh, and the girl is beating good. us right now. Both the Keith and the girl. It's Keith and the girl, Keith and the girl TV, and the super secret backstage. Blah, That's blah, Keith blah. and the girl, too. It's all Keith and the girl. So. Oh, it is? Vote for us at, at Podcast Alley. Help us get back up to number one. Hey, uh, third annual Wear Your MuggleCast t-shirt day was a great success. It was this past, uh, what was it, Monday? It was June 2nd, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Monday. And Matt and I took pictures. Uh, still waiting on Laura and Mikey to take Ooh, pictures. Yeah, Dude, I wore, I wore my MuggleCast shirt to work the other day. You guys were just asleep when I left. Oh, right. Oh, that's right. But we were awake for the rest of the day. Yeah, well, you guys didn't take a picture of me. I don't have a camera at work. And lastly, um, Laura, did you have this announcement in Yeah, there? I did. Um, so, despite the fact that I made it very clear that there was no need to flood the P.O. Box with gifts and things for Andrew, uh, <laughs> you all did it anyway. So, um, I'm sure Andrew's very thankful for that, but essentially, yes. I uh, told my mom to go check the P.O. Box, and she came back with this huge stack of envelopes, and she was like, these are all for nice. Andrew! And I was <laughs> like, oh, good. I love that they listened to me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I can't wait. Wait, I can't wait to read them all. Thank you, thank you to everyone who uh, sent those in. That's very sweet of all of you. Let's move to Muggle Mail this week. Matt, you want to take the first one? Um, sure. Our first Muggle Mail comes from Freddie Doyle, age fourteenth, from Quincy, Massachusetts. Freddie writes, "Hey, dudes, if I were a betting man, I would say that someone will laugh at that." I just thought when you mentioned that the 10th edition of Sorcerer's Stone comes out on September 23rd that I should point out that this is the same day that the third book in the Inheritance Trilogy, Aragon Eldest Brissinger, is that how it's pronounced? it's Brissinger. All right. Brissinger is released. P.S. Andrew, did Laura send you the cookies? What? Um, Cookies? Laura, you got caught. No, I honestly, I looked at this and I have not gotten any cookies in the P.O. Box. I mean, and I've only been home for two weeks, so tell me when you sent them, and if you sent them oh, before maybe. I got home from school, maybe my mom and my brother ate them, but, uh... Oh. See, likely story. Yeah. Likely story. If they were sent before I came back from school, I can't make take any accountability for them. I'm sorry. Well, we'll, we'll have to investigate that, but, um, <laughs> I just thought this email was 
interesting because maybe uh, more uh, Scla- random theory, but maybe Scholastic was thinking, oh, gee, uh, since people fantasy fantasy enthusiasts are already going to be going out on the twenty third to get uh, the next uh, book in the inheritance series, that they'll pick up uh, SS tenth edition. Maybe no, maybe I'm mm, maybe. Maybe. the timing. I'm, pick, kind I'm of, picking up Brissinger. We have a voicemail about the tenth. Uh, edition Sorcerer's Stone coming up later in the show. That was a pretty interesting question. Actually, you want to know something funny about that Inheritance series? It what used, is it? It used to be the Inheritance trilogy, but this third right. book is no longer the ending because he couldn't finish everything in three books. So now yeah. there's a fourth book. I'm really, we actually talked about that on the show and how cheap it was. I'm really that. disappointed because I was like all excited. I'm like, dude, I want to find out what happens. I don't know how he's going to wrap it. Yeah. That's if, you you know, people are calling Joe cheap for, you know... Uh, Trying to protect her encyclopedia. I mean, look at this guy splitting a final book into two. Well, <laughs> well I, I guess mean, I guess he, Warner Brothers is doing the same thing. If he, wants, thing, to, so if he never... wants to finish, I mean, if he, if he no, wants no, to finish his trilogy on a good note, and he feels like he can't really do it all in one book, and he has to do another book, I mean, just let him. Jesus, like, no, no, I agree. It's just, I, it's like the first two books I have say book one in the Inheritance trilogy. Now it's going to be like book three is going to be like in the Inheritance right. series. I'm going to be all sad. <laughs> the, They're the, not going to match <laughs> the trilogy plus one, right? Plus one. <laughs> All right. Well, the next email comes from Mike19 of Alberta, Canada. He writes, Hey, Mugglecasters, just wanted to point out something that I think you missed on the chapter-by-chapter chapter segment. All caps. The Ron Hermione kiss! The thing we've been waiting for since Prisoner of Azkaban? I personally thought it came in an on time in the book, but it was funny nonetheless. We forgot to talk about this, guys, last week. The Ron and Hermione kiss in, in uh, chapter 31. How did we skip that? Because you guys were more worried about Fred dying. <laughs> Maybe that, I but like also I mentioned it, it though. Yeah, I, I, I we've been getting we a lot of emails very, about yeah, it. Yeah, we did get a lot of emails about it. I, I, I guess people wanted us to talk about it more. Probably more. Yeah. Um. Also, it was very quick in the chapter. But okay, about the whole kiss thing. I, I honestly, I did not care when this happened because the, the I would have cared if this happened at a, at a less, more climactic scene. But since there was so much going on, I didn't really think about the kiss very much. Uh, it was during a war, and yeah. do, what do you guys think about the, the the placemat of this kiss? Do you think it was appropriate? Yeah, well, you know what? Like, compare this kiss, Ron Hermione, versus the Harry uh, Ginny kiss. Like, I remember reading Half Blood Prince and the Harry Ginny kiss. I got super excited. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. there was tension between <laughs> Harry and Ginny too. This one is just pr- all unprovoked. I mean, she just threw her stuff away and just. You know, just embraced Ron and gave him a kiss. Then they started. Well, well, that's what Harry and Ginny was too. There wasn't really tension. It was like they're she's happy they won. And he's coming out, and they're like instead of hugging, they kiss. Mm-hmm. And it was like what? my favorite what part of that part uh, of the whole kiss thing was when Harry just yells at him, "Oi, we're at a war here." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt when I was reading it too. Because I mean, I've always been supportive of the Ron Hermione relationship, and I was looking forward to seeing them get together. But I was so into the chapter at this point that. I was like, I don't care. I don't. Hook we don't need this time. right now. People are dying, and you people are kissing. I think. But you know what, though, it fit though. It fits though, because like they needed this immediate sense of danger of death to kick them in the right direction. Yeah, it's true, yeah. and that's what Ron said too. Because Harry said something like, "Hey, there's a war going on," and Ron was like, "Yeah, so it's now or never, right?" You know, and I thought that was yeah. True. And it's really, it's not Hermione. It's it's kind of out of Hermione's character a little bit, but it's so in Ron's character completely. Like, if it wasn't for this, it probably wouldn't have happened for a couple more years. I think that was half the, uh, part of the thrill of that kiss was that it was so unexpected too, and like all the shippers who were hoping for it 
this entire book sort of get it out of nowhere. So it's like, oh my yeah. god, it was pretty much it. Just it, it came out of left field. It really did for me. Yeah. Eh, I I don't know. I don't remember my first reaction when I read it. I just kind of remember well when I you know went back and read it the other day. Yeah, for me it was car- it was know, sort of like it was expected, like like a deep like an exhaling of breath, like oh, finally. And then I just kept reading. Our next mongo mail comes from Aaron, fourteen of Cathed Cart. Carthage. Carthage? Carthage. How do you say that? Yeah. What is it? Carthage. Carthage. All right. Our next mongo mail comes from Aaron, 14 of Carthage, New York. He says, hey, guys, I was just looking through the pictures of people with their MuggleCast t-shirts on for the t-shirt day, and I noticed there are very few guys with one on. I was just curious if there are a lot more girls that listen to this show than guys. Yes, and we've yeah. said yeah. on the show before that our demographic show about seventy eight percent of the listeners are female. Yeah. <laughs> so um only seventy eight percent. Well, <laughs> it's 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 a good amount. Um which I've never really figured out. I think that's just that just reflects uh the Harry Potter demographic too, yeah, just in general. I think it does. Yeah. Well, I think the Harry Potter demographic is also way more skewed towards girls like I think our show we we have uh, probably a little bit more even than uh, probably seventy eight. I don't think that's a real number. I think guys just don't admit to listening to it. <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I remember I used to listen to it and I didn't admit to it for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean that comes that comes from a survey, so I, m- more girls could have. But like when you look at our emails, there's definitely more girls. Mm-hmm. And when you see like conventions and stuff in the in in the fandom, I mean there are a lot of I mean there's a lot of guys too in the fandom, but. Th- th- there are just so many girls that over-dominate it. Yeah. But you also got to remember, <laughs> if you look at our muggle mail for today, the three e- emails have been from guys, and then our next two are from girls. Our next email comes from Isabel, 18, of Missouri, and she writes, Hi! I'm currently rereading all seven of the Harry Potter books. I'm on Prisoner of Azkaban right now, and I just read the, cha- the part of Chapter 13 on page 265 of the American version, where Ron wakes up to Sirius standing over him. Well, right before... Harry is having a dream where he is following something silver-white through a forest and reaching a clearing, and Ron interrupts the dream when he starts screaming. I think that the dream could possibly be foreshadowing the fact that four years later in Book 7, he's following a Patronus, which happens to be silver-white, through a forest finding Gryffindor's sword. And right after that, Ron makes another very unexpected interruption, saving his life. Just a little something I caught. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Sorry if you've already discussed this. I love your show. Keep up the good work. That is really cool. Yeah, that's a really neat little correlation that you found. I like it. Do you think it? Do you uh, think that's it, yeah. actually the connection? I think, it I think it's a nice yeah. Easter egg. Yeah. 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 I think mm-hmm. it is. I think it is. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that it is. And Joe made it just basic enough where in case she wanted to change it she could still work around it yeah mm-hmm. yeah so sounds right good job isabel yeah but it's it's also one of those things where you know when we go through those books before the seventh book is out are we really going to notice his dream if it had any significance no you mm-hmm. know especially you know in prisoner of azkaban there's no there's almost no mention of lord voldemort it's all about Sirius. Yeah. So it's really kind of one mm-hmm. of those. Yeah, you know. I always love those little things you do when you reread the books and you find out the little like foreshadowings that you never really caught when you read the, the it the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where like everything from all the books were so important. You know, stuff that you just didn't even think about. Yeah, that's you why know. it's so much fun to reread the books after you know the end of the series. Yeah. 
Okay, next email comes from Kinda Darwish, 15 of Beirut, Lebanon. Wow. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I absolutely love this podcast, even though I haven't been listening to it for long. I'm absolutely in love with all of you. Oh, thank you. Aww. Aww. Okay, now my question. I may, I might have misunderstood, or J.K. Rowling could have contradicted herself. She's done it before. In book six, when Dumbledore is showing Harry the memory when he decli- where he declines Voldemort the DADA job, doesn't Dumbledore say that they haven't had a DADA teacher for more than a year ever since he refused the post of Voldemort? But in the first book, I remember J.K. Rowling mentioning that Professor... Professor Quirrell taught for more than one year. Did I misunderstand? Did Quirrell teach for only one year? Thanks. Laura, did you look into this? Is there... Um, I didn't specifically look into you know, it, but I do believe she's right. Hmm. She's right, but I remember reading somewhere that she actually said... In, uh, so, because someone asked this question, like, a long time ago. I don't know if it was here, Leaky, or one of the other po- websites that actually posted the news. I'm sure it was MuggleNet, because that's the site I check all the time. <laughs> But, uh, but uh, you know, it could have been the other side, because I do look at them all. But I remember she, she saying that it was, remember how Coral met Voldemort on his travels? He was a teacher, and then he was gone, and then he came back. I don't know if he was DADA teacher before, or if he was a teacher or something else. And on his travels, he then came back as a DADA mm-hmm. teacher. But she said he used to teach at Hogwarts. She never said what he taught, but then he did go and leave for his you know journey and research and then he came back so i don't think he ever taught two years in a row as a dada teacher and he may not have actually you know we we may be just going by like full years maybe he never taught for more than two full years he probably taught like (laughs) because he died yeah the whole year like before (laughs) harry got there and you know you you can you, you can probably say that you know curl didn't stay for the entire year of harry's first year because he died but well, I'm trying to. That's a real. That's a really stretching it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm anyway. trying to find like some loopholes or something. Uh, well, we. You know, I, I think. I think her justification is that uh, you know he left and then he came. Or back. maybe Dumbledore is just saying you know what, what the rumor that all the students keep trying to make is that no, n- no teacher of the de- Defense Against the Dark Arts ever stayed for more than one year. So maybe you know that's what Dumbledore told Harry because that's what all the students think. Quoting the lexicon, Curl was a professor of Muggle Studies and later of Defense Against the Dark Arts. In between holding these two posts, he took a year off to gain experience dealing with dark arts. I was right. I told you. Oh, I don't well, look that, that stuff up. I'm just well, so smart, Mikey. Wow. Good job. I remember the scene. You're I re- so I quick with Google searching. It's unbelievable. No, I didn't, go- I didn't Google <laughs> search at kidding. all. It was I'm just, just like kidding. remembering stuff. I retained the stuff I read. I'm just kidding. Our last Mungo Mail comes from Janet of St. Louis, Missouri. She says, I had a couple of quick things. You guys kept mentioning that the price for the anniversary edition is $30, but that is actually the list price, and Amazon already has it at 19 True and that. Thanks for that. So we'll keep that in mind as we're uh, deciding whether or not we're going to go out and buy this thing. 19 bucks, I'll uh, purchase it. But go ahead. <laughs> I won't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, She goes on to say, also, the last couple of episodes, Micah hasn't seemed very into things revolving around Harry Potter. That's the impression I get when I listen to him on MuggleCast. As a fan, it's hard to hear someone talk about the news if this is something that they no longer feel passionately about. Maybe it is just me and I'm completely wrong about this, but it just seems like lately he's not into it anymore. I mean, no disrespect, but I wanted to voice my opinion. Well, uh, Micah found it very important that this email was addressed, but of course he's you know, he's out with his college buddies in what was it West Side Manhattan. <laughs> he does, it, it's not so important for him to be on this episode, <laughs> but it is important for the email. <laughs> um, 
So, Michael loves Harry Potter. Yeah, my, Mike just does it to be funny. He's not serious when yeah. he pretends like the news isn't important. He's just doing it to be funny. He's going for a little show personality there, which I respect him for. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much you know Micah does for this show. Micah does a lot for the show and for MuggleNet. He's constantly IMing all of us with news stories, like all the time. I'm oh, not yeah. even kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he definitely loves what he does. So I would almost say he squeeze at times. <laughs> he does squee. I've, I've seen yeah. him squee. Yeah. I have seen him squee. He's, I think he's uh, well, that, that's a scary image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike is going squee. Uh, okay. Well, anyway. hopefully we we clear that up, Janet. Uh, that, but you know, it's just Mike trying to be funny. I mean, we understand he's not funny, but we just go along with yeah. it. <laughs> just let him let him be delusional right now. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a lot of people laughing at his jokes. Obviously, you didn't. So, <laughs> yeah. <please. laughs> Janet, thank you for the email. All right. All right. Well, this week it is our sixth. To last chapter by chapter, this week we're discussing The Elder Wand, chapter 32. Everyone get Yay! your books. And uh, as Mikey pointed out to me earlier before we recorded, and as I've said before and said it would have been such a good title for for the book, I thought it would have been a really cool name. Yeah, but then it gives away way too much information. So um, we'll start off with the beginning, which we sort of, we talked about very briefly at the end of chapter by chapter last week. Fred Weasley's death. Fred Weasley is dead, guys. <gasps> no. Yeah, and um, we've been get we, we actually got a lot of um, emails about that too. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the listeners weren't um, were kind of upset that we didn't talk about Fred Weasley's death as much. Um, and we'll basically, but we're talking about it now because there's more to talk about because they actually, you know, embrace or not really embrace, but they actually center on Fred's death more in this chapter. And so, um, yeah. So in this chapter, um. F- Harry cannot really grasp Fred's death. It's he his mind is out of free fall. The book says he can't really um focus on you know it, it it's it's not even real to him. You know he just sees Fred. He he knows that Fred is dead, but his mind just can't calculate it. You know, and and you know he can't even look at him. Yeah. Um. There's a point where him and Percy are stashing the body behind the suit of armor, and it says I don't remember the exact line, but it says like. He didn't look at it any longer than he absolutely had yeah, to. Yeah, that, that's like, later on in the chapter I, when they hide his body. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's when he's dead and they pull him away and we're still going to talk about it, Matt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm just... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with you that his mind was free-falling and it was hard, you know. I don't... Besides his parents and everyone else in his family that, you know, that have died and left him, you know... It was right there and happened in front of him, just like Dumbledore. I've been trying to think about how J.K. Rowling has described the other deaths, like Sirius's and Dumbledore's other two people that were probably closest to Harry. And, I mean, this is right up there with with their, um, with the way Harry felt towards them. And then I started thinking, well, why does Harry feel so... so? It's, it's different, though. Fred Weasley it wasn't a mentor to Harry. Right. He was a peer. He right. was a brother. It, 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 yeah, he was a brother. It's one of those things where I've had friends... You know, young friends, like a really good friend of mine, my first episode of MoCast, I found out that day she died Mm -hmm. completely unexpectedly. She was 22 at the time. And it's one of those things where it's really different. You know, I've had a grandparent die and it's really sucks, you know, having a family member die that you're close to. But having a peer die, it really changes a lot in you because now you start questioning your own mortality. It definitely hits a lot closer to home. Um, Now I'm 23. I'm like, how much longer am I going to live? Obviously, I hope to live until I'm old and you know will you know ready to pass on but you know if a friend of mine can pass away at 22 completely unexpected you know 
bad stuff can happen. And, you know, Fred Weasley showed that the trio, obviously we knew the trio was going to make it through because, you know, she said that a long time ago, but it kind of gave you a little bit more realism that they're not invincible because their peers, Ron and Percy's brother. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Is not, you know, I think that's why it hit Harry especially because he's been so close to the Weasley family. And now the Weasley family is suddenly dismantled. Mm -hmm. Well, I also think that Mikey's, uh, right on the fact what he said it's a lot it's a lot more different um having a uh, authority figure or a respect or respected mentor die rather than having one of your close friends or a peer die who's around the same age as you Mm -hmm. because you just you 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 just see um them differently percy who's with him right now who's the older brother that they that they just they just welcome back Yeah. yeah And and so per- Percy's this is like a huge blow to Percy, and he just can't grasp it. He's he's just protecting him, holding him over. He won't let go of, of Fred, and the one who's actually trying to bring him back into like you know the reality of the situation is his younger, the youngest brother Ron, who himself is just Balling. completely just he's crestfallen got, from this entire blow right down his cheeks. Right, and mm. and it's it's just a sad scene to see. So. Okay, so yeah. I guess uh, moving along in the chapter, um, I want to see this the- in the movie. I'm sorry, I, I just think this would be a very emotional moment, and I think it would be really good. It'll be in the movie. Like, this is one of the big. Deaths. I will know it yeah. has to be. Like I just, I just really want. Like I hate, I, I hate to see you know, you know, you know, the death of a Weasley. I hate to see Fred, Fred's death. Really, like I would hate to see the death of any of them. Like just even the first movie, seeing Harry's parents die is really sad all the time to me. But yeah. I really want to see, and I hope they pull this off really well. You know, because I'm a visual person, and I think this is going to be a huge moment. Just because you know, I know people that mourned Fred Weasley for months, like literally mourned him like a real person, and you know, he's important. I'm all sad now. So these spiders start to come in and uh, fight the students in the castle, and it's kind of unexpected and kind of, kind of, it's a morbid thing to see. Um, what do you think they're doing here? I mean. It, did Dumbledore, or sorry, did Voldemort tell them to come in? Because it seems like, how would they get them to, unless they're under some, like, the Imperius curse? Or... Yeah, I always wondered about this. I mean, is, is this, like, just a little cameo of, that, that Joe put in? You know, well, now that, I mean, I mean we, we kind of left it to, you know, when Aragog died in the last book in Half-Blood Prince, now that Aragog's not there to protect or to hold back the spiders, they're free to do whatever they want. Yeah, well, we also saw in Chamber of Secrets um, that Aragog said that the only reason his children didn't harm Hagrid was because he told them not to. So, like you said, with him gone, there's no one stopping them from having free reign over the grounds. And furthermore, we know that one of the um, downfalls of the quote-unquote good side is that they never paid proper respect to magical creatures. And Voldemort would not really give them that respect, but he would give them things in order to make them feel respected. So it's not mm-hmm. unreasonable to assume that Voldemort might have done something for the spiders or offered them something so that they would be on his side. So uh, moving on along in the chapter, um, Hermione, um, they hide Fred's body and Hermione is asking Harry to now go into Voldemort's mind to actually use um, Harry's ability to go into to Voldemort's mind and actually do it himself. And I was just in awe that Hermione has just gone from the complete opposite side of the spectrum in this situation with Harry yeah. and Voldemort's connection. Yeah. It's a I told you so moment. 
Didn't a couple chapters ago she do something similar like Harry that? went into Voldemort's mind, and it was the first time that Hermione was intrigued on what he saw. Oh. But this is the first time she's actually telling him to go into Voldemort's mind and see where he is, and and because ha- ha- he has Nagini with him. I guess it's just one of those like, what do we have left to lose moments, you know? It's it's the whole it's the, you know it's the hail mary. So they find out that he's in the shrieking shack. And Yay, something, shrieking shack. something why is he there? Wa- yeah, that's what we're wondering. Why is he there? Um, because it's protected. Yeah, but I mean, ha- I mean, do do you think that Wormtail told Voldemort of a good hiding place? Yeah, because he, he would be. I mean, since he's one of the Marauders, he would probably be one of the one. He would probably be the only ones who would be able to tell Voldemort where he could hide during this whole battle. That he could actually see the the battle from happening, but still be. A, a, a safe enough distance away. Well, and Snape see, also I, I, knew where it was too. Yeah. Well, that's only because he followed, you know, Ron and Harry. That's true too. Hermione. Yeah. Oh no, but he was also there when when he almost got killed. I think Voldemort knew about it. I think he knew. Um, the Shrieking Shack was there before the Marauders were there, but uh, I, I think he knew about it because we we know Tom Riddle knew a lot about. Uh, Hogwarts, you know, he found the Chamber of Secrets. I think he knew about it. I guess the question just was, what significance does Voldemort have with it? But I think they're, it's, they're I think it's basically them. just mainly a um, bringing back, a bringing place back a familiar already. place. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so um, moving along, um, Voldemort is with Lucius. Actually, actually, can we go back to it real quick? What I want to just make a point why uh, they would use that versus some new place. Okay. Um, okay. Um, you know that it makes sense for her to bring back a location that they uh, have talked about before, especially they've also described. Just because you know during this heated moment, if you said something else, probably Rob, you don't want to slow the pace she, down. What if if you if if you set if you introduce a new place, you're slowing the pace down. Yeah, you're slowing the pace down exactly, and that's one of the reasons why I'm assuming she used this because it fits, and you don't have to describe it anymore because you don't have to slow that pace down. Right. Every, when you say shrieking track, everyone who's reading this book knows what the Shrieking Shack is. Yeah, that's a good We've point. We've read it in other books. We've seen it in the movies, too. So so um, we see Voldemort and Lucius in the Shrieking Shack, and pretty much all... Lucius is, like, curled up in a corner. He got the, he got the crap kicked out of him, pretty much, from Voldemort. And all he's doing is, like, pleading for Voldemort, you know, to stop the battle. My son is in there, and pretty much that's all he's doing. He's just pleading for his son's life. And... I, I, I don't, he's not pleading for his son's life. He's pleading to find out what has happened to his son. Well, and he's, they've, well it's, they've it's lost kind of the same thing. I mean, he, he he knows if his son is in there by himself, <laughs> he's going to be killed. Yeah. Well, what he's basically doing is just pretending to be on Voldemort's side in order to ensure that his son stays safe. Like, he sits there and says, you know, wouldn't it be um, prudent to call off the battle you know, to find him yourself. And then Voldemort essentially tells him, well, don't try and play games with me. The only thing you care about at this point is the safety of your son. So this is a complete turning point for the Malfoys. We see that they've completely disregarded any alliance they've had with Voldemort previously. So I think it's interesting. Definitely. Yeah. And basically, the, um, and, he, and he told um, both Snape and Lucius that um, there's no reason to call off the fight be, uh, in case Potter might be killed because he knows for a fact he's 100% certain that Harry will come to him mainly because he knows that he's going after the Horcruxes and he has Nagini with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
that's pretty that much it that in a nutshell which makes me also wonder because actually you know what though just so we correct you now because i don't want you to get a bunch of emails because i've had this he didn't tell that to snape snape wasn't there yet he ended up telling lucius to go fetch right but he told snape the same thing when snape was there with him did he afterwards i don't remember i'm sure he did Okay, but the, I'm sorry, Matt. The, the other interesting thing is, if Voldemort was expecting Harry to show up anyway, why wasn't why why don't doesn't he think Harry would be hiding in the in in the Shrieking Shack somewhere? Do, does does he really think Harry would just walk in the room where he's sitting with the Guinea and you know what I mean? Because yeah. like like Voldemort should have known he was just Voldemort's like, a- Voldemort's arrogance is his you know greatest his downfall. downfall. Yes, mm-hmm. his greatest weakness. You know, it, it, it's like in Star Wars. It says your arrogance is your weakness. Your trust in your friends is yours. Yeah. And, but you know, it's the same thing. Is you know, Harry's trust in his friends. Who who killed Nagini? Come on. It, it was it was it was you know, Neville. <laughs> That's friend, right. Dude. I was waiting for you guys to answer. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. No. It, it was his friend. You know, he trusted in his friends to take care of. You know. What needed to be done? Going back, um, Harry goes back into uh, out of Voldemort's mind and. I wrote this this scene in just because it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire chapter and the battle is um, McGonagall has a herd of desks galloping down the corridor and you see her with her hair down a huge gash I mean she's like this war uh, this warrior princess and she, <laughs> and, she, and, she, and you just I can just so see uh, Maggie Smith with a wand in her hand going charge and all these desks just come out of nowhere just going down the cor- corridor beating up all these death eaters I just ah uh, Matt, have you listened to Jim Dale's description of that? No, I haven't. You you really should. I have the audio book on my computer. It's like straight out of uh, Beauty of the Beast. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's pre- what it's I pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for that mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> and so, um, after after the trio um sees you know McGonagall you know kicking butt, they uh they see Draco. This is a good scene too. They see Draco pleading with a fellow Death Eater that you know he's on their side. Don't kill him. He's on their side. And then Harry stuns the Death Eater, and then Ron comes out from underneath the invisibility cloak and just punches Draco square in the face and called call him uh, like this is the second time we saved your life you two-faced bastard <sighs> naughty language from Joe kind of they're 17 yeah I know, I know. <laughs> they're 17 <laughs> it's okay yeah if, if, if they say in the books we can say it I know we established that rule okay last year so what did you guys think of the scene <laughs> I, I just I couldn't help but giggle when I when I read yeah. that yeah it was it was a nice little light moment mm-hmm. to kind of brighten up the intensity of the chapter. I think. Yeah. So okay, uh, moving along, we also see um, we see Frenrir Greyback attacking Lavender Brown on the ground, which is kind of a very violent, very gruesome scene. I mean, Frenrir mm-hmm. Greyback is pretty much feeding off of Lavender Brown before um, Hermione stuns him, and. Do you guys think that I mean we see we know that Lavender is still moving after the attack. So does that mean that she'll have like the same werewolf qualities as um as uh what's his name? Uh, um did he actually fr- bite her? Well, he attacked. So, I mean, actually. he was I think he was going to attack her. Was and he going Hermione, to I think Hermione stopped him before he was able to. Oh, okay. Well, she was yeah. well she was already on the ground though. 
I, I think- yeah, they fell. It says two bodies fall from the balcony overhead as they reach the ground, and a gray blur that Harry took for an animal sped four-legged across the hall to sink its teeth into one of the fallen. That's and it. then Hermione um, stuns him. Mm-hmm. before he can get to her. Okay. Yeah, it says, no, shrieked Hermione with a deafening blast from her wand. Frenier Greenback was thrown backwards from the feebly struggling body of Lavender Brown. He hit the marble banister and struggled to return to his feet. Then, with a bright white flash and a crack of a crystal ball fell on top of his head, and he crumbled to the ground and did not move. And guess who had the crystal ball? Trelawney! Miss Professor Sorry. Trelawney! That, I think that was just fun, just to see Professor Trelawney yeah. actually doing I, you something. You know what? I think, I think it shouldn't have been a crystal ball that fell on his head. I think it should have been a sherry bottle. <laughs> yeah, no, no, those are too It's like, everyone's going to gonna die. <laughs> I could just see Trelawney going through a purse going, okay, crystal ball, sherry bottle. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, we're doing the crystal ball. No, I need this. I need that bottle to celebrate later. <laughs> I, I, need, I, need the, I, need, I need the sherry bottle. We'll throw I need away to my celebrate after ball. this. I'm going to need a little something to take the edge off. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Lavender Brown was still struggling but the th- and wasn't dead. But the thing about this, is now, you know, this is still the Battle of Hogwarts. And when you think about it, like, I didn't even realize this at first. It may be obvious to the rest of you, but when Joe says the Battle of Hogwarts, it's Hogwarts as a whole. You're seeing every aspect of Hogwarts suddenly coming to life, literally. The desks, the, 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 the armored statues they're all coming to life and battling for the school it's this Hogwarts is the ultimate fight itself. scene that every fan had wished we'll for of, yeah. and pretty much got it yeah it's perfect i mean and all, I all hope, the things yeah. they, they they say through the series all the little things about each part of hogwarts actually comes to life yes. and actually fights back i mean the, the castle yeah. fights back not just the inhabitants of it <laughs> yes that's exactly what I just said. I know, said. but it sounds better for me, okay? No, it didn't. <laughs> Matt's always, like, thinking up his next thought while someone else is talking, so he basically just repeats You don't know matter. what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, we do. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so moving on, Matt. Okay, so we see the spiders again, but with Hagrid. Now, this is interesting. Um, during even this huge war battle, Hagrid is still protecting those huge spiders that are trying to kill the people on his side. His allies. You know, the, the spiders are fighting for the opposing side, and Hagrid is still trying to protect them, saying, no, don't hurt him. Don't hurt I mean, what's his deal? He's holding his you know, position. I, I think I think you forgot the most important part, Matt. Oh, it's Hagrid. The impression? Well, no, no. It, it was Hagrid running. Oh, yeah. With his pink, with his pink umbrella. Oh, yeah. That's the <laughs> most important part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he was running with that pink umbrella, which we know he hit his wand. That's right. With the pink umbrella, yeah. everything is better. I mean, everything yeah, makes sense. It's happy and cheery. I want as a long as he has the pink one. umbrella, he's he's chill. Someone send someone send Mikey a pink umbrella to the PO box. If someone sends me a pink umbrella, I will take pictures and thank you on MuggleCast. He'll sing and he will run grow a beard. I will sing. He will do everything. I will do like a singing in the rain slash singing in the sun with the pink umbrella and pretend I'm Hagrid <laughs> and I'll say I'll go you know Wingardium Leviosa with, with the pink umbrella and I'll do all the wonderful things like. Yeah, Aquamenti, because Hagrid did that one, too. Did, did anyone think Hagrid was done for when he was sw- swept away with the spiders? To be honest, no. I didn't think. I don't think so. Really? Dude, because he's, he's giant. He's had so many chances of dying, it doesn't matter he hasn't because, died yet. Well, um, we were all speculating, would Hagrid be one of the people to go? And I think a couple of us, I may, myself included, may have said yes, because he's so close to Harry, and Harry's already losing these loved ones. Well, to be honest, I mean... 
at this point in the story, no, I, I just I, I just grown tired of of saying, okay, this is the part where he dies. Look, this if if Darby could die, anyone could die. Yeah, but no one Mugglenet had hundred to one odds that he wouldn't die. <laughs> Hagrid's half giant. Okay, Hagrid is not going to die, and he didn't. Okay, so yeah, everything worked out. Come on, Ben Shane's still alive. That's That's an impression. Yeah, we're not putting that in there. No, we will. Okay, so the trio runs into the Forbidden Forest, and they are attacked by about a hundred Death Eaters. And the and Harry is just shocked, and he can't even hold up his wand straight. And then all of a sudden, they get three Patronuses that are not from the three of them, but from someone else in the trees. And it turns out that it is Luna, Seamus, and Ernie. Now, what I thought was kind of cool was you got to you got to see again other people's Patronuses, and I kind of saw a mirror of of Luna's, Seamus's, and Ernie's Patronuses of themselves. Did you guys think? I mean, because I think that a boar is just a, a perfect Patronus for Ernie, because he's kind of like the brute jock, and a boar yeah. is kind of like strong, but not entirely, you know, one of the smartest animals. And we, we all think that you know jocks aren't exactly the smartest people in the entire world. I mean, th- that's just the prejudice. You know what? I think I think that's a stereotype. Right well, that's the word I don't, stereotype. I don't, I don't, yeah. I, you know what? I don't appreciate it. I really don't. You're not a jock. I'm not stereotyping oh, okay. you. Okay, then I'm okay. Okay, cool. What would your Patronus <laughs> be, guys? What would your Patronus be? My Patronus? Yeah. Um, uh, my, mine would be, like, a cool animal. I think mine would be, like, really? a hamster. Like, super, super, like, hyper hamster. That would be hilarious. I want mine to be, like, start dan- I think mine would be, be like, like, a dancing. coyote or maybe a bobcat. I want mine to be a little kitty. I want mine to be a puma. Pumas are cool, too. <laughs> Pumas? Cool. The shoe? Just, just no, yeah, the cat. Mikey's the Patronus will just be a shoe. Expect a Patronum. I kick you in the face. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, there's this little, there, there's this little quote afterwards. Um, wh- when they try to get into the um, the Whomping Willow, and Ron asks, you know, I wish we had Crookshanks, and Hermione goes, Hermione says to him, "Are you a wizard or not?" And I just. I just had to stop and think about the complete mirrorization from those two characters from the first book. Yeah. Because when they were in, um, was it Devil's Snare? When he, when Hermione says, "I can't make, I can't make fire. I have no wood," and and Ron goes, "Are you a witch or not?" It's just yeah, a complete mirror. Yeah, that was really mirror. cute. Like a nice little parallel. Mm-hmm. That's really cute. Another one of those Easter eggs. So uh, the trio gets into the sh- um, the Whomping Willow, and they slowly creep up to the opening where they can hear Voldemort and Snape talking and we hear Snape just constantly pleading to Voldemort to allow him to find Potter but Voldemort keeps refusing him now Laura you have something to say about the situation um, about Snape and going knowing what his fate was going into this yeah so. well just the I don't know if anybody else felt this way but when I was first reading it the urgency with which Snape was speaking was very different than anything we'd ever seen him portray before. And I got the impression that he knew from the second Voldemort brought up the subject, he was a goner. Like, he didn't even have to bring up the Elder Wand to know that he was in trouble. Um, One of the things that I think might provide a little bit of interesting discussion was knowing whether his panic was about the fact that he was about to die or that he wasn't going to be able to reach Harry in time in order to give him the information he needed. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that maybe when he came, he came, he became white when 
Voldemort told him that this is Dumbledore's wand. Do you think that his face went pale when went just thinking about Voldemort going into Dumbledore's coffin and stealing it from his cold, dead fingers? Well, Snape was there when he did it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, but... Well, I think it's I think it's a combination of that and the fact that he knows there's no escape now. Like I just got the impression from the way he was speaking, like, um let me like there's there's actually the part where he's kind of pleading with Voldemort, asking him to let him go help with the battle. And Voldemort keeps telling him, Oh no, you're a skilled wizard, but they don't need your help anymore. And he's being almost falsely nice so i just think that yeah. gave the impression from the start that snape was not going to live past the end of the chapter mm-hmm. and i think he knew it yeah I, I think you're right about that false um you know uh kindness when um when harry notices that um that when voldemort was telling him that it was very you know soft softly spoken but he could sense the, from his scar from hurting so much that he was starting to get very angry and um like something bad was going to happen I don't right. think he ever got angry. I think he was more excited because now he thought he was going to kill the owner. Well, I don't know if he was, I don't think he got really excited. I think that he, that he started getting a little angry. Uh, maybe maybe not the word angry, but a little um irritated or agitated with it because because yeah. his his Harry's scar was was burning during that. Well, I think he was agitated as well because he I don't think he really wanted to kill Snape. I mean, Snape was one of his quote-unquote most loyal followers, according to Voldemort, and he even said it was a pity he had to kill him, but there was no way around it from Voldemort's point of view. So I could see him being upset about having to dispense of someone who is useful to him. I think, I, I think, Laura, in response to your original question, I think it was both. I think he was nervous of... I, I think he probably knew he had to die, and also he was just afraid that Harry would not um he wouldn't be able to tell Harry. Well this isn't exactly the situation that he intended to to end for his death. He probably was hoping that he would get be able to have some kind of contact with Harry by the time, you know, his death approached. Yeah. So maybe he was just worried of leaving Harry all by himself after oh. all this time of trying to protect him. At least the poor guy could have died at least a little satisfied yeah. that Harry knew or, what he Or at least his death could have been a little more clean. I mean, this is this has got to be one of the worst deaths we see in the series. Is um, Snape getting killed by Nagini by her yeah. biting him on the neck. Yeah. And it's not a very clean death to see, especially on screen, which I'm kind of excited to see or kind of regretting to see. But, um, um, so... After after Voldemort um, allows Nagini to kill Snape and he leaves, he he tells he tells Snape that he regrets doing it. I reg- uh, yeah, he said I regret, I regret this, but or something. it had to happen, right? And so um, after Voldemort leaves, Harry runs over to Snape. He doesn't really know why he does, but he's but he just feels like he needs to, and he runs over to Snape's side, and um, Snape. Um, um, tells Harry very quietly that um, he, take or take this or something, and a, a pensive memory starts gushing out of his face, his mouth, and his ears. And so Harry takes it, and then Snape's final words are, "Look at me," and then that's his, and that's when he dies. Which we've discussed in the past is the wonderful. Uh, it, it was basically a final piece of evidence that Snape really was in love with Lily because Snape wanted to see. Lily through Harry's eyes one last time. Um, 
it's really powerful. This was meaningful. such a sad scene. It was. Yeah. It was really sad. So sad. <laughs> it, it is pretty beautiful though. Just the whole look at me, just so he can. So much meaning. It was our first crazy. real in- indication that Snape wasn't exactly on Voldemort's side at all. Well, and it also goes to show who he was doing this all for, because as we see yes. later, yes. Um, Dumbledore saying, you know, well, if you're not going to do this for Harry, do it for Lily. Right. And that's what Snape said he would do. So. Right. Right. So, um, Andrew, do you have a quote quiz for the next chapter? Yes, but first I have to do my quote, quote, quiz, 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 quiz. That was sort of messed up, but um, let's see. So uh, next chapter is The Prince's Tale. What's Potter got to do with anything? That's a quote quiz this week. All right, so we're going to um, play some voicemails now. Um, we got some based on a few different aspects of the Potter fandom. So let's play the first one now. Hey, Muggle Casters. My name's Jacqueline, and I'm a massive fan from Sydney, Australia. I have a question about the Ron and Hermione relationship. When do you think each of them realized that they liked each other? Do you think it was from day one or as late as the snog in the middle of the war? Love the show. Don't ever stop. Pickles and love. I think Hermione realized it a lot earlier than Ron, and I would peg it as about being around the Yule Ball just because of how upset she got about the fact that Ron kind of used her as a last resort when he was asking around for dates. Um... And I don't think Ron actually had it figured out until towards the end of book six or the beginning of book seven. Yeah. Just because of his really um, shallow relationship with Lavender. I think um, I think it also just built over time, even though they didn't realize it. Because I, I think one unexpected thing is that when you're friends for so long, sometimes friendships come to the point where it could never actually be a romantic relationship well maybe also the friendship between ron and hermione i mean ron didn't really see um what he felt towards hermione was more than just a platonic friendship maybe he just saw her as just hermione and these feelings i have towards hermione just because i love her because i think of her as a sister what about, yeah. when he got, what about when he got jealous of uh crumb though i don't he, think he i don't think he realized though it was because yeah. of his feelings towards hermione i think he did i think it was like one of those crushes that it just made him upset. You know, he broke his crumb doll and he was a huge crumb, you know, fan. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think though, in, I think, it, I think Ron noticed, um, Hermione as more than just a friend during the Yule ball when he saw her walking down the stairs, just like Laura said. Did you say that Laura? Wait, no, she yeah, said, well, I said, I said it was the other way around. Um, I don't know. See, the thing is, I feel like Ron might have, I guess, like, liked her a little bit, but I don't feel like he was really in love with her at that mm-hmm. point. Well, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying that he thought she was attractive. Yeah, he I stop think that it might have been because typically he, when you look at those kinds of relationships, especially when you have girls who um, end up liking their friends, it's almost always the girl who notices first. Not to generalize men as being clueless but um it's okay sometimes they are, are. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I don't i won't deny it i am i'm always clueless what are we doing oh <laughs> that's a muggle cast here hi muggle casters this is rachel 16 from california um i'm calling in from last week's episode 147 uh talking about supercon it was said that 
later that Nat Tenna, who plays Tonks, uh, did read the seventh book, although she doesn't seem to remember much, and that she also mentioned that there was a possibility that their Dumbledore's funeral wasn't in book or in movie six. So let me know what you think. Thanks. And welcome to California, Andrew. Bye. Aww. Thank you. That's so nice of you. Um, have we talked about the Dumbledore funeral being cut from a Half-Blood Prince yet? No. I can believe that. Man, yeah. I know this is bothering you a lot. I would is, be ticked oh. off if they did that. I am no, so no, ticked no, off no, if guys, this really stop. I wouldn't mind it being cut if it was the opening scene of Deathly Hollows. Well, it won't no, be. it won't. If it won't it's not be. in the Half-Blood Prince movie, it won't be in any other movie. Because yeah, I mean, it's in Half-Blood this Prince. Is my, well, this is one of my favorite chapters in the entire book, if not the favorite. Because if we don't have Dumbledore's funeral, that means we don't have the Phoenix song. We don't get to see the centaurs shoot um, arrows from the Forbidden Forest. We don't see the mermaids coming out to show their respects. We don't get to see anything, any anything between Harry and the minister, the new Minister of Magic. And we don't really, we don't get to see. Well, we will probably see Harry tell Ginny that he can't be with her, but it won't be in this situation. And and but, I mean, we won't even have if they any, left. You know, I was gonna say we won't have a location for Dumbledore to open up and take the Elder Wand from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he'll exactly. we'll probably have like a little a still sh- um, shot of where he's buried. It just no, it'll just be all by itself or something like a little. Coffin. And I mean, even if they left all of that other information out, it's such a pivotal point in the story. How can you kill Dumbledore and then breeze over his funeral? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they still will find a way to pay tribute to him. Like, maybe it will just be sort of like Matt was saying, just like uh, some really artistic shots of his grave area, or maybe like Harry lying flowers down, down by his grave or something. To yeah, sort of I, 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 I see that. I see Harry probably just like talking to Dumbledore's tomb or something and just like having a whole conversation saying. Yeah. Like, but seriously, they could do his funeral scene in like five minutes. It doesn't have to be that long. <laughs> right. I don't understand. Why can't they do this? It's not like they have to make it some epic 20-minute long funeral ceremony. You just oh, but have Laura, a few shots do. of the funeral. That's what, it ha- I mean, that's what it all comes down to. It would be nice to see everyone together, too. Because yeah. we don't really see that much anymore. There's no huge great hall scenes anymore. Yeah, we don't... We, yeah. I mean, what are they going to do as an ending? Are they just going to end it kind of like what they did with the Order of the Phoenix film? With just them leaving and not really having much of an ending at all? No, I think they'll have a nice, um, huge uh, picture of Dan Radcliffe's face like they did in Prisoner of Azkaban. (laughs) (laughs) Just smudged from the side? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't help but wonder how the people in the first row felt during that. Maybe they're afraid it would leave leave people too unhappy coming out of the movie. Well, it's an unhappy moment. It doesn't matter, so cut it out. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, but I've we'll noticed see. that they have a trend of doing that because really at the end of Order of the Phoenix, Harry was not happy. And in the film, they added this optimistic end to it because I guess they didn't want people to walk out, you know, feeling. I was thinking like about what Dumbledore told to me end, but... about well, there's something to fight for, but, he, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to guess or go to the next movie. Or read the book. I don't know. Well, we're just going to have to wait and see, guys. Hi, uh, my name's Levis from Maui, Hawaii. And I just have a comment on the um, the question that you posted on the new MuggleCast episode 147, asking that if, if the Sorcerer's Stone re-release 
um, something to be excited about. I think what would make it exciting is that if they put in the the prequel that J.K. Rowling just wrote for that um, the 800-word um, story. So that would be cool if they added that in the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone. Um, that's it. Um, pickles. Bye. Oh, yeah. I think that would be a good idea. But I wonder if they do that, though, just because it's part of another book. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, isn't I think it for, charity, for charity, too. It is for charity, yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be a problem. It's not a bad idea, though, because it would fit. It would be fitting, but... um. And they would yeah, sell, too, and they would sell a ridiculous things. amount because, you know, people would be able to get this book, not just the limited edition, you know. Or J.K. Rowling could write a more detailed prequel for the book that's separate from the charity thing. Mm-hmm. There's many things she could do, obviously. But um, for now, we'll just take it to the next voicemail. Hey, Mugglecasters. My name's Katie. I'm 21 from the Twin Cities. My question is regarding Cedric Diggory. I know you guys have talked about houses before and kind of traits for houses, but why do you guys think Cedric Diggory was put into Hufflepuff instead of maybe Gryffindor or Ravenclaw? I love the show and can't wait to see what you guys have to say. Because he dies? (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, Well, I mean, there are plenty of people. I mean, there are plenty of people who show, you know, more qualities of another house more openly than, you know, what house they're actually put in. Mm-hmm. It basically, I mean, it, it does it just just because you prove a lot of bravery doesn't mean that you're you're just automatically supposed to be in Gryffindor. Yeah. yeah. So so why is Cedric in Hufflepuff? I, mean, I think one of my, my my the big reason that tipped me off was during the the May scene when he stopped and told Harry to go on and take the the cup for himself because he felt that Harry deserved it more than him because Hufflepuffs are known to be more loyal and more humble. And I and I think that was a true Hufflepuff moment for Cedric when he gave away his immortal glory and galleons for Harry because he felt that Harry deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look what Harry did. He's like, we'll grab it together, and now you die. That's not a bad. Please cut all, all my comments idea. on this. I am so cynical <laughs> to Cedric Diggory. In that case, next voicemail. Yay! Voicemails! Hey, Mugglecasters. My name is uh, Tony. I'm 35 from Kentucky. Um, I've just got a movie uh, Half-Blood Prince-related question here. In Chapter 24, when Harry and Malfoy are in the bathroom, um, where Malfoy is talking to Moni Myrtle, what do you think the odds are of WB putting in the second Simper spell that Harry casts on Malfoy? Uh, do you think that would be too much, uh, a little too hard for the PG rating or think that would push it over with the rated R because for it is a pretty bloody scene. Uh, love the show. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. And uh, thanks a lot. Okay. I would be ticked off if they left that scene in and then cut Dumbledore's funeral. <laughs> I would be so angry. So you're telling me that you would rather have a scene where one of the characters gets practically slashed in half and there's blood all over the floor, but you can't have a funeral scene. Only, no, I, I'll only take this scene if, as uh, soon as Harry does that, he walks out, f- pops his collar, and back in black starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Sorry. Then no, no, I totally agree with you, Laura. But mm-hmm. that, but yeah. I mean, I can see why they would put that in ju- just to help um, get Sirius's 
you know, identity as the Half-Blood Prince because when he sees that Harry did that, he's wondering, how did he know one of my spells? Yeah, they could dumb it down and make it less brutal. But I, I mean, care. leaving that small scene in and leaving, you know, the whole Dumbledore funeral scene, that, that is pretty shady of them to do that. But, you know, we we don't really have a good, you know, opinion on it until we see the movie, so. Well, you know what, though? Also, at the same time, they can replace that scene with something else really easy to let yeah. Snape know. Again, you, I don't know if you guys remember, um, right when, you know, Joe announced that Dumbledore was gay, she actually said that actually, you know, this is something that was brought up where during one of the screenwriters had Dumbledore saying a line, like when I was younger, I was in love with this girl. And she made a note saying Dumbledore is gay to the screenwriters. Right. So it, it, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that she, they, you know, they want to do maybe instead of a bloody scene and, Chica said, this is also, you know, there, or something like that. Yeah. I wonder if that scene they just changed girl to boy. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like in the movie. <laughs> they had Dumbledore saying, I was in love with this boy. Yeah. Oh, parents would flip out. <laughs> so I think funny. they just straight up cut it out. Yeah. yeah um, that I don't won't know. Be in the movie. I can dream, I, though. If, if I'm Betty Man and... I am. I guarantee you that won't be in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And the last voicemail for today. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Katie Karzewski from Holland, Ohio. And I was wondering what your thoughts were in terms of, don't you wish they waited for all seven books to be released before they made the movies? I think that would have been great because that way they would have kept in everything that they knew was going to be important. And I know in a way that if they waited, then we wouldn't have Dan and Rupert and Emma and all of our favorite cast members. But still, I think it just would have been way better altogether for them to wait for the books or to have waited for the books before they made the movies. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love you guys. And Matt is an excellent addition on your show. I love you. Bye-bye. Aw, thank you. Thoughtful. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i think this is a good idea release like i think it would definitely expand the fandom tenfold can you imagine the first movie coming out after the seventh book was released like the excitement leading up to seeing a film a harry potter film for the first time yeah i had thought about that when they were like midway through probably around the time that prisoner of azkaban came out i was like why are they filming these movies and the series isn't even finished yet? And there were points where I thought, you know, they're going to be missing so much stuff. But then I wonder, I think about all the times that Joe has said that she will steer them in the right direction if they're going the wrong way with something. And I feel like we might still have stuff left out regardless of whether or not all the books were published. Because we've seen certain bits of foreshadowing from the books like The Marauder's Map completely left out like who made it and where it came from and they said that they would clarify it in goblet of fire but they never did so that whole storyline never made any sense and they clearly had all the information they needed for it you know it's one of those things like writing a screenplay for a novel you know it's it's an adaptation you know it's never going to be exactly the same nine out of ten times the book is always going to be better than the movie. But the movie is a visual representation which lets you see a lot of what you've imagined. And I, you know, 
I actually am glad that the movies came out before the books were finished. Mm-hmm. Just it wouldn't have been nearly as popular too if if if, if the books weren't also in full swing at the time. That, well, that's true, and uh, you know, a perfect example is I didn't start reading the books until after I'd re- seen a bunch of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes for a lot of the fans of the books too. That you know, a, the the movies brought more attention to. Um, the, the people who read the books after they saw the movie because a lot of them haven't heard very much of Harry Potter or didn't have much you know interest to see it just by the by everyone's word on it but when they saw it on the big screen and seen how great of you know a story that, that this whole series is you know it, it would incline them more to go see it it's kind of it's kind of like my position it. on Twilight I'm gonna see the movie with you guys if I don't like the movie I'm not gonna read the books guys sorry oh okay <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to put that in there. Speaking of Twilight, <laughs> what? Uh, this, uh, this website um, you guys made. Oh yeah. Speaking of yeah, good transition, Mike. See, I, I, I got Twilight, your back. It's time Andrew for Sam. another shameless plug for TwilightSource.com. Uh, the next MuggleNet for Twilight. Yeah. Twilight information. This will be our last plug. So d- don't don't worry, guys. By last, he means second to last. It's okay, an awesome now, website. Oh, I know. I love it too. Isn't it great? Okay. <laughs> you know what I love? <laughs> I love Harry Potter, guys. Can we get back to it? Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. We're gonna play Sorting Hat this week. We haven't done it in a while. Um, and it actually comes from a listener, Haley Thirteen of New Jersey, my old home state. She writes, "I really love the Sorting Hat segment you all do. I just wanted to know, though, what house would you sort Laura Mallory in? I was thinking about it last night, and I wanted to see what you guys thought. Thanks a lot. Keep up the awesome show. Lots of golden pickles, Haley. I know. What? Uh, Filch's house. She'd be a squib." <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think she's either a muggle or a squid. Laura, what do you think? I mean, you 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 you're pretty close to her right now. Maybe you can pick up a vibe or yeah, something. Yeah, don't remind me. Um, <laughs> no, I think I would have to agree with Mikey because there's really no house that truly, you know, hates magic. <laughs> oh, she, you know what? She might end up going to like Durmstrang. That fanaticism that she has. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's true. Maybe it's just a completely I don't different know. school. She, she kind of reminds me of Petunia Dursley, to be honest. Yeah, no. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, like, yeah. like she's so open about being negative about the whole w- wizarding world, but but pro- but behind it all, she really wants to be a part of it. Yeah, she wants she wants to be a witch. <laughs> Do you think she secretly wizard. wrote to Joe asking for, at, 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 like, saying she's a huge fan? Can I have of a books? signed copy? Yeah. She probably puts on a robe at night <laughs> after her kids go to bed. Oh, no. She I bet she, she has like a light-up on their she has PlayStation. Like a light-up wand and runs around the house casting spells. <gasps> Flipendo! Flipendo, kids! Flipendo! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Flipendo made it into this episode. Well, that is how Sorting Hat is played. If you have an idea for Sorting Hat, someone in the real world, we can sort. Send it into MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com and put Sorting Hat in the subject line. We'll wrap things up today with a chicken soup for the MuggleCast soul. Laura, would you like to read it? Sure. Hi, MuggleCasters. I'm a huge fan. I absolutely love your podcast. I just wanted to say thanks. A few weeks ago, I was going through a hard time. I was overwhelmed with a huge history-slash-English project, and I was on my school's track and field team. I'm not a runner, so at first track was hard, and I wanted to quit, but my mom wouldn't let me. I was crying and having a really hard time for a couple of nights before I went to sleep. 
So when I laid down, I put on my iPod and tuned into MuggleCast. It helped me calm down and continue. I got an A on the project and ended up really enjoying track. I might even do it next year. So again, thanks. Thank you and keep up the great job, Maddie13. And it's it's M-A-D-D-Y, so it's a girl, just in case, because, you know, you, you can say Maddie for me, but it's M-A-T-T-Y. Yeah, that's Matty. Matty. Oh, but congratulations on the A, Maddie. That was really good. And yeah, we always get emails. Track and field. Track yeah. and field's cool too. It's not. It's not an easy mm-hmm. subject too. No, <laughs> it's, it's it's a sport. I I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, Matt. Well, I think that wraps up our collection of wonderful segments for today's episode of MuggleCast. Laura, if people want to send me some really late uh, birthday cards, where do they mail this? <sighs> P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. <laughs> if you would like to call us to have a, a voicemail question aired on the show, you can use the MuggleCast hotline. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast, but no matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much back noise as possible. I'll give you a little hint. When I'm searching for voicemails, Skype tells you how long the voicemail message is, so I always look for the ones that are in the range of 15 to 60 seconds or so. If it's longer, sometimes I'll listen to it. If it's shorter, usually not. Because people people like to give the hotline a test call to see like you know if it really works as if we're like making it up or something, but anyway, you can also visit MuggleCast.com for a handy feedback form to contact any one of us, or just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. And don't forget, as always, we have the uh, community outlets on our website. You can visit our MySpace, our Facebook, our YouTube, our Frapper, our Last FM, and our fan listing in the forums. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates about MuggleCast. Dig the show at dig.com and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. So th- go to twilightsource.com. Go ahead and go to twilightsource.com <laughs> for everything. Twilight. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's your Twilight Source. I, I couldn't believe the domain name was still available. Twilight's, like, you know. Yes, we've heard this from you before. I'm just, you know. <laughs> I also bought, fun fun fact, I also bought bellacolon.com. This is all, like, bonus stuff, right? People, I mean, our, our listeners are Well, our, we've gotten a lot of people into Twilight. People have said, well, you know, you guys were talking about it so much, I decided to read it, and I really like it. So that's my listener challenge this, way, this week. That's my listener challenge. Go out, give Twilight a try. I mean, we're not sponsoring it, but yeah, um, yeah no. we're not we're not really plugging Twilight per se. We're just trying to get <laughs> Potter readers to expand their horizons and read other books as well. It's a great book if you want more after Harry Potter. Well, you know what I read? I read oh, the here New Jedi Order. It's thank it's, you it's, everyone it's, for it's listening. Only, it's, only eight, <laughs> it's only eighteen books. It's a great series. An amazing story arc. It's got Luke Skywalker's son in it, Han, Han Solo and Leia's kids in it. Yeah, no. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. <laughs> I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Matthew Britton. And I'm Mikey B, everybody. Mikey B, ah! Mikey B, Mikey B, poof. I'm here. Poof? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What is poof? It, it, what? I'm poof. I magically appeared Should in I- my bed. <laughs> Should I go run into his room and see if he's still there? I think you better go check on him. I think he just, like, I don't know, had a heart attack or something. But we'll see everyone next week for Bye episode 149. Bye. Bye. What a world, what a Bye. world, what a world.